Hello. Hello. Wow, we're still in our um, very incredible series on the Holy Spirit. Who's been loving this series? It's yeah. been so good and created such great conversation in life group. Um, yeah, I've been having a good time and I've been really prayerful about what to share this morning and um, yeah, so I'm excited about this morning and I just want to open in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here in our midst this morning. Thank you, Lord. I thank you that you come into our hearts and soften our hearts to hear your word this morning, Lord. I thank you, Father God. I thank you for your spirit. We ask you to come. We ask you to move across this message to transform and change us. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that You've got the power to move and affect our lives. For your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I've been thinking a little bit this week about this 10-year anniversary coming up. And when I catch up with people that have been around for the whole journey with Tim and Victoria, I, uh, I ask them, oh, what were the early days like? <laughs> and uh, I keep hearing all these fun stories about, you know, starting in the apartment venue changes and different people involved at different times over the years and I found out all these cool things I never knew, which was fun. Um, but I found myself feeling quite grateful, grateful to be part of a church that is, um, is having an impact on this community, that is having an impact on my life, that is thriving, that's seeing babies born and dedicated in the house of God, that's seeing people baptised that seen people filled with the Holy Spirit, that seen people come together and get married and have babies and go on and live, um, live in God's way and live in a beautiful life. And I feel grateful that there are people like Tim and Victoria who would just say yes. Because there are other options, aren't there, in life other than planting a church and running a church and leaving a church. And it's not the easiest pathway in life. I've been there, I can tell you. It's not the easiest pathway. But if you ask them what they love about the church, they could talk forever. There's joy in their hearts. There's nothing else they would do. (laughs) Because this, despite being challenging, despite being hard work sometimes, it's the most fulfilling, the most joyful, the most adventurous place that they could be. And it's because it's their yes to the Lord. It's because God has called them into something that is bigger than themselves. He's called them to a life that's greater than their own family unit. He's called them to a life that they can't see the fullness of yet. Because God's vision for this church is even greater than their own vision. God's vision for their church is greater than what any of us have seen yet. Because God is bigger than us. (laughs) And there are so many people out there that need what we have in our hearts in here, that what we have in community in here. And I love it when you see people step out and say yes to God and run with the call of God on their lives. It's very exciting, it's very obvious to see people in their sweet spot in that way. And personally, I feel grateful that Dave and I have said yes come on part of the team and to join up with Tim and Victoria and be part of the future of where this church is going. And I have to say, if I look back over my 
46 years of life. I've never regretted saying yes to the Lord. I've regretted some other things, but I've never regretted saying yes to the Lord. Because my yes to the Lord have always been the most fulfilling, standout times of my life. And I want to talk this morning about our yes to the Lord. Because I think, if we're honest with ourselves, there's times in our life where we're out the front. We're out the front and we're doing what's in our heart to do. And we're like, God, please, come with me. Or we might even forget that he's there until something goes wrong. And then we're like, God, please rescue me. There are other times in our lives where we're just in a place, we're in a season where we're so close to the Lord and we've got such a yes in our spirit, we're surrendered to the Lord, we're so immersed in the Word, we're so immersed in what God might want for us. And He takes us on a direction. He's he's out in front, He's leading and it's like He takes a step, we take a step, He takes a step. We take a step and we find ourselves in this beautiful stream with God. We don't necessarily know where we're going, but we know there's momentum. We know there's momentum because God's there and we're there and God's there and we're there. And we're having this life with Him that's got momentum upon it. And those seasons in our life hopefully become our whole life. That's the goal. That's the goal is that we walk with the Lord with the posture of yes in our heart and it transforms our life and takes us on incredible journey through life. I've been reading this book by a man called Robert Ferguson and he says, the Christian life is impossible. If it were simply difficult, we would attempt it and fail. But since it's impossible, we can safely give up and therefore succeed. (laughs) And I love that quote. I love that we know if we try it on our own, we're definitely gonna fail. Because we don't have to try it on our own. We surrender to the Lord. Jesus puts that this way. Mark 8, 34 to 35. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever wants to lose their life for me and for the gospel will save it. I love that scripture. It's so countercultural to everything. Does anyone want to be a yes person? <laughs> Have you seen that terrible movie? I don't recommend. <laughs> we don't want to be yes people. But it's the only way to live the Christian life is to posture our heart as a yes person for the Lord. And there's no time like the present to re-posture. So wherever we're at, wherever we're, if we're out in front of God, if we've gone in a different direction to the Lord, there's no time like the present to readjust our posture and come back and say, where are you, Lord? get me back into sync with you. And there's no greater freedom in that, actually, than finding that way back into um, sync with the Lord. A few chapters after that passage I just read out in Mark 8, Jesus has an encounter with a young, wealthy man who was living a fairly comfortable life and upholding a fairly good moral, good values type of life. But he obviously felt some sort of void in his life because there was something that he felt like he needed to be doing different to be assured of his security in Christ. And in Mark 10, we just come in in verse 17, it says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him and said, Good teacher, 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, give false testimony, defraud, honor your father and mother. He declared all these. This man said, all these I've kept since I was a boy. I live a good life. I'm very moral and upright. I obey the commandments. But Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, one thing you lack. Go, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, once you've done that, come follow me. And I feel like what Jesus was saying to this young man wasn't just literally sell everything you have and give it to the poor, that that was his journey. It was, you know, he could see this man, and he could see that he had his security in all the things that he had. He had his security in the things that he put around him, his comforts, his life, his good behaviour. His security was in those things. I live a good life, but he still felt a void. And what Jesus was saying to him is, the point is, you can't put your security in those things. You've got to put your faith in me. You've got to put your faith in me and my ways. You've got to put your faith not in the things that you have, not in the life that you can create, but you've got to put your faith in me. He was redirecting, reposturing this man. He wanted to get this man to say yes to him regardless of the consequences, regardless of the journey he would go on, regardless of the adventure he would face, regardless of the cost he would have to pay. He wanted that man's yes and for him, that man's journey was he had to get rid of his securities, get rid of those comforts, so that he was broken before the Lord, so that he could say, yes, Lord, so that God would break that man and take him on an adventure and do something incredible with his life. And that is the place that God wants us. God actually doesn't necessarily want us to sell all our stuff and give it to the poor, but he wants us to sell out to him. He wants us to sell out to him. He wants us to say yes to him. Whatever you want, wherever you want me, whatever you want me to do, yes, Lord. The answer is yes. Then. What's the question, Lord? <laughs> I remember asking that to God once. I was like, in youth? <laughs> I was probably at the youth service getting pumped. I'm like, yes, Lord. What's the question? What do you want me to do? And he told me something to do, and I'm like, what's the other question? <laughs> I want to do that. And sometimes we could be like that. God just wants our heart to be postured, surrendered, yes, to Him. When we're there, He can do amazing things with us. So there's three things that I feel that. Jesus wants to do to us, to posture us in a place of surrender to him so that he can actually lead us into the life that he has called us to live. The life of faith. The life that's impossible without him. The life that's adventurous with him. He wants to search us. He wants to break us. It's very popular. And then he wants to send us. So I'm going to go through these three real quick and then we're going to go into something completely different and that's going to be great too. So search me. David's prayer in Psalm 139 um, says it well. This has got to be the most gutsy, vulnerable prayer, frightening prayer, inviting this level of scrutiny into your heart. 
He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, praying a prayer like that is sacred because God will search us and God will find ways in us that he wants to correct and restore and change and breathe life into. Anyone ever prayed a prayer like that and regretted it? (laughs) I have. But, (laughs) hey, God does amazing things in our hearts when we have come before him with all vulnerability and say, search me, Lord. He might reveal areas of our lives where we need to ask for forgiveness. He might reveal fears. I remember the Lord revealing a fear in my life and I had to get out of the altar and just ask him to help me overcome that fear with the power of the Holy Spirit and step into faith. You know, the thing that we fear the most highlight the areas where we trust God the least. So we might have a fear around not having enough. We might have a fear around having a problem with our marriage. We might have fear around the safety of our kids. We might have fear around what our future looks like. We might have fear around where God's going to send us. We might have fear around our health. There's all these different crazy areas of fear that we can have. But if you can identify what your fear is, what it is, it's an area where you can learn to trust God So then it's applying the scriptures and allowing the word of the Lord to affect that fear and take you into a place of faith. It's worth discovering what these fears are because they're often the pathway straight through to amazing potential in that we can help other people through those fears and bring them into a place of faith. In 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul encourages his protege, Timothy. He says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. He knows Timothy's pathway through through fear and timidity is to surrender in faith to the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in him. And the pathway through our fear is to allow the Holy Spirit to affect our hearts and change us and fill us with power in us. So let's allow God to expose those fears this morning in the presence of his spirit and allow his spirit to affect those fears and bring us into a place of faith to move forward. The second one is, break me. Charles Spurgeon, another great quote, says, Whenever God means to make a man great, he always breaks him in pieces first. (laughs) Fantastic. Isn't it? Such an encouraging quote. (laughs) I want to be broken. Uh, It's about being honest before God. It's not about being a mess. It's about being honest before God. Because we've all got a bit of mess. And it's about allowing the things that aren't right to come before God and have Him bring healing and wholeness into those areas that are a bit messy. Because Christianity is not a religion for the self confident. It's about understanding we're all fractured, but we've got a redeeming God who can restore and heal and make us whole again. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, His grace is all we need. His power works best in our weakness. I think breaking is something that we 
might, might fear. Just breaking is something we might fear. Anyone, that kind of person that wants to hold it all together, you know, carry it, hold it all together. I think sometimes the fathers are like that, you know, want to hold it all together, keep it all together. But breaking is essential before the Lord so that God can bring growth and God can bring strength. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the centuries-old Japanese tradition called, it's, I always pronounce it wrong, Kintsugi. Anyone know it? I've got a picture. I don't know if we can bring that up. It's actually a form of pottery where you get this broken, Renee knows it, it's on my page, get these broken pieces of pottery and Kintsugi means golden scenes and they fix the pottery into a beautiful artwork or, or a vase um, with gold. And when you see that beautiful jar, it's just a beautiful jar. But what it was before was a broken mess in a jar. And this is a little, sort of a symbol really, of what God does with our life. He takes those broken fractures, those broken pieces that are a bit grey, a bit bland, and just a bit nothing. And he works in our life, and he brings our life together, and he heals our brokenness, and he puts us together again, and we look beautiful. <laughs> we look like a beautiful Kintsugi vase. <laughs> it's just an image of what God can do with our brokenness. And our brokenness is in everyone. Let's not kid ourselves. There's some fracture in all of us. And so we don't need to live this kind of controlled lives, holding it all together, staying on top of everything, treading on eggshells, just spinning all the plates, not getting too worried, not getting too overwhelmed, living out of harm's way, having assurances for everything, making sure we don't do anything too dangerous because something's going to fall out. We don't have to live like that because when life gets broken, when life gets messy, God just seems us back together with gold. He actually seems us back together with the blood of Jesus. The redeeming blood of Jesus fixes our fractures and pulls us together and turns us into a beautiful artwork. Our lives are a beautiful artwork that brings glory to Him. And then He wants to send us. He said to that rich young man, you know, once you, once you get your heart right with me, then come follow me. And he says that to us too. He says once you, your yes is there, he'll, he'll nurture us in that place, get us into that space where we can trust God and say yes to him. And then he can say, come, follow me. Come, do something great for me. In Isaiah 6.8, um, it says, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to the people? Who will go for us? God was looking for someone who he could take on a special mission. And Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. And when we become available to God like that, when we become yes in our spirit to the Lord like that, we can say to the Lord, Here I am, send me. And it's not something we have to fear because sometimes I think God, you worry, God's going to take you on this crazy pathway that you don't feel comfortable with, that you don't feel like it fits you, that it's not the future that you have mapped out. There's not many people that God's going to say, hey, now I've got you, I'm sending you to Africa. <laughs> God doesn't do that. He just said, He just works with you, He works with you.
with your brokenness, who creates passion for desires in you, and he weaves you into a beautiful story that he can take you and send you to minister, to help, to love others, and to do wonderful things for his glory. It's more likely that he's asking you and ask you to reach out to that person on the desk next to you <laughs> than he is to send you abroad. But you know, that's most of us. Not all of us. Some of you are going to have to go. <laughs> He might ask you to sell everything and give it to the poor. He's more likely to ask you to give generously out of what you've got, you know? Full submission leads to simple and small God promptings, which you might think, why didn't I get to do something big with my life? But those simple, small promptings get momentum and lead to something beautiful in Jesus Christ. So don't, don't um, play down those simple, small steps, those simple, small promptings, because they actually lead they lead somewhere. They take you somewhere. Sometimes um, radical spirit lead steps get misunderstood, you know, like God's told me to start this or do that or whatever, whatever. I'm going to be really careful when God speaks to you about those big things because you need to be protected in your heart. You know, you might need to hold them in your heart for a little bit. Only speak with the trusted ones around you about those big ones. But as you keep saying yes to the Lord, as your posture gets better and better at saying yes to the Lord, um, the momentum comes and takes you on a beautiful life that builds up your faith muscle and you're able to say yes to bigger things and bigger things and bigger things and take, on, take you on the daily thrill of being used by God. So I wonder where we're at. <laughs> I wonder where we're all at. It's all, I always love when I share a message to do a check on myself and to do a check with right. one another. Where are we at? There's this incredible passage in Ezekiel 47 that bears many, many meanings. And it's really, you could do a whole series just on that passage. It bears many meanings, but one meaning which can be applied is the journey of surrender to Jesus. Ezekiel 47, I'm sorry I didn't get the... Um, I didn't get that happening, but you can follow on your phone or your Bible. Ezekiel 47, I'm um, going to go from verse 3 to 12. It describes a river flowing from the temple, from the place of God's dwelling, dwelling, to bring life and healing to the people and to the land. The vision reveals God's heart for the broken world and the gift of the river of life that flows out to heal our broken hearts and our world. And the source of the river is God's empowering presence, the Holy Spirit flowing from us and through us and out. So I'll pick it up from verse 3. It says, so in verse 1 and 2, the water was trickling from the temple. Verse 3, as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross. Because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that had no a river that no one could cross. So in our journey, we go in stages. When we're ankle deep, we might be splashing around with the idea of the Lord. <laughs> We've received Christ, maybe, into our heart. But we're just there. We're feeling that joy around our ankles. We're feeling the cool of the water. We're feeling the possibilities of what it might be like to enter in to a daily engaging personal relationship with the Lord. 
When we get knee deep in a river, you begin to feel, don't you, the pull of a current. You begin to feel the pull of the river, but you are still well able to pull back out. You are still, you don't have to get changed yet. You don't have to change on the outside to go knee deep into a river. You don't have to change on the inside too much yet in your relationship with God when you're knee deep. But when you're getting wasting, there starts to be a pull in the river. And people start to see change in your life. People around you, this is an exciting stage in the Christian life where people start to see change. They start to see half you, but they start to see half God doing something with you. It's a, it's a different stage in our relationship with Christ. You're starting to get wet and you're starting to get pulled. And we can stop there or we can keep going in over our head. And here we reach a place in the river that's impossible to stand in. We have to surrender and swim with the current of the river. We have to surrender and go with the power of the Holy Spirit to move through that river well. We're saturated. It covers our entire being. It causes change inside and change outside. It's the complete surrender, the immersed life in Christ. And it brings life and growth and colour and transformation. As this scripture goes on, it says, He asked me, Son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Then I'll just sort of paraphrase the rest. Swarms of living creatures live where the river flows. Large numbers of fish flow and make, make their home there. Float. Fishermen will stand along the shore and they will be catching many fish. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They'll be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on the banks of the river that will be flourishing because the power of God's life-giving presence is right. healing and transforming. Right. As the river is flowing through us, the power of the Holy Spirit is flowing through us, the impact on those around us is fruitfulness, is life flourishing. But we've also got salt to bring correction and salt to bring healing. But there's a life, there's a flourishing, there's a growth, there's a health. The banks are growing fruitful trees, our lives are growing fruitful works to bring others into wholeness with Christ. It's the river of life. That's the place we want to be. In the river with the Holy Spirit, allowing his presence to saturate us, take us into full immersion and move us in to the surrendered life that can take us into a great place where we can bring glory to the Lord with all that we do and with all that we are. And I wonder this morning, what if we all decided to wade a little further than we are? Maybe we're ankle deep. Maybe we've splashed around for a while now. Maybe we've just started edging into this sort of relationship with Christ and God's saying, I just want you to wade a little further. Start praying with me. Start getting in a bit deeper with me in the Word of God. Maybe you're in knee deep and God's saying, you know what, there's so much I want to do with you. If you just get in a bit deeper with me, just get in waist deep because I really want you 
to start surrendering some of those habits that are not good for you. I want you to start breaking off some of those areas of your life that are dead. I want you to start making some decisions that I'm prompting you about. I want you to start acting on those promptings I'm giving you um, to move a little bit further into the river of God. Maybe you're waist deep and you're actually, Lord, I'm all in. <laughs> I'm all yes. I want to. I want to surrender to you my whole life. I want to swim in that river. I want to sell out to you. I'm, I'm yes for you. Send me. <laughs> Here I am. I'm willing. Send me. What if we all waited just a little bit further this morning? Is this okay? Is everyone waiting? <laughs> I know. It's time to say yes to the Lord. It's always time to say yes to the Lord. And you know, I felt actually when I was prayerful this week about today, I actually felt that there was a, there were some that would have a bit of discomfort with this message, a little bit of dis, uh, a little bit of feeling a little bit like I don't like what I'm hearing. <laughs> I actually <laughs> like where my life's at, and this is not gelling with me. And maybe there's a shaking happening in your heart, in your life. I've had periods where I've, had, I've felt that. i felt uncomfortable with where God wants to take me, let, take me next. And here's the thing. We've got to find comfort in the discomfort. <laughs> because God will take us through seasons where we're uncomfortable. And there's this scripture in Deuteronomy 32.11, which I love. And it's that the Lord was like an eagle teaching its young to fly, always ready to swoop down and catch them on its back. It's talking about how a young eagle learns to fly. And it's talking about how, well, the image that I get is when an eagle actually creates a nest for its young, it creates a nest, it creates a nurturing place, the eagle in the nest. But then when it's time for the baby to jump out the nest and learn that it's got wings to fly, the mother eagle's a little bit cruel. She shakes it. She makes it uncomfortable. She takes out the comfy bits of the nest. She rattles it. Because that little baby eagle has to get out of that nest and start flying. So the little baby ends up getting loose into the air. But the mother, mama eagle doesn't just let the baby eagle die. It swoops down and catches the baby eagle. And then... It does it again, and it swoops down and catches the baby eagle again. And then it does it again, it swoops down and catches the baby eagle again. And then eventually, the baby eagle learns it's got wings to fly, and it can fly. But that mother eagle had to make it uncomfortable before the baby eagle would take a swoop and learn to fly. And I feel like sometimes that's what God does in our lives. And it can happen in our hearts, but it can also sometimes happen in our circumstances. Sometimes, I know Dave and I a few years ago went through a season where God was shaking. <laughs> he was shaking stuff. And it was, it was uncomfortable. It was upsetting. It was hurtful. And God wanted to move us. He wanted us to jump out of the nest. <laughs> he needed us to jump. He needed us to make a change. He needed to move us. And he had to make it uncomfortable for us to stay where we were comfortable so that we would move. And sometimes we go through these seasons. So I just want to encourage you, if you're in a season where you're uncomfortable, talk to the Lord. Ask Him, what do you want me to do? Are you shaking that nest so I jump out? <laughs> and know that He's going to swoop down and take you. He's not just going to let you crash and burn. No. He's going to be with you. It's the journey of surrender. So I just want to ask the band to come up because we're going to sing a song called I Surrender, and um, while we do that, I just want to encourage you to just talk to the Lord in your worship 
talk to the Lord in prayer, ask him where you're at, ask him what's next, give him your yes if you're bold and brazen and courageous, give him your yes to wade a little further into that river, that beautiful river of life of the Holy Spirit. So let me pray. Why don't we stand as I pray for us. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit.